We are power crystals, getting cute, critical, and, and metaphysical. Hi, Power Crystals. This is Leah. I'm going to introduce an interview that I got to do with Jason. This is a really special episode for me. Jason is one of my favorite people, and I think that the more you get to know him, the more he will become one of your favorite people, too. So check out this interview between me and Jason on this episode of We Are Power Crystals. What was your first concert? The first one that I was dying to go to was, it was Beyonce was headlining, then Alicia Keys was second on the bill, and Missy Elliott opened, and oh my god. It was like 2011? Yeah. <laughs> 2009. I know that, I know that tour. <laughs> I, at the time I was really like an emo kid, so I was like in love with Alicia Keys, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it doesn't even make compute to me it makes perfect sense i was so emo i'm like listening to alicia keys and india re at a bus stop at five in the morning going to school like why i don't know i just did we're from different generations of emo well yeah (laughs) it was emotional music so me and my sister go i was all the way in anaheim i woke up at like seven in the morning to get ready to take a bus to Ritmo Latino to buy tickets because I didn't have a credit card so I just had my cash go wait in line before they open (laughs) no one's there it's just me (laughs) eager (laughs) as fuck (laughs) get my tickets and I'm like oh my god I'm so excited then like the night before I could not sleep at all I was so excited and then we go my mom drops us off and I think she went to a casino nearby while she waited for us <laughs> and then um I was there for Alicia but that's when I I mean Missy was amazing Alicia was amazing and then Beyonce came out in this people were like carrying her on this palanquin and she was, came out of nowhere from the audience and there's just this close-up of her face with this gorgeous hair cascading out of a red hood or like a golden hood and she's just like tossing rose petals onto the audience and I was like I'm I'm gay I love that it was just such a moment I'll never forget it what is your first CD or tape? My first CD or tape, oh, TLC fan mail. What year was that? I was in sixth grade. Okay. And I bought it and I just listened to it front to back nonstop. I would have dreams about them, like meeting them, <laughs> hanging out with Lisa and T Boz and Chili. Later on, I realized that I got a T Boz, the reverse T Boz haircut. <laughs> 
patches in my psyche, man. <laughs> Reverse. <laughs> Instead of the tendril in the front, it was coming from the back. So very like electro. Uh huh. 2000s lesbian. Yeah. Tegan and Sarah. All that. I love that. <laughs> what is your favorite, like, garment that you <gasps> wear today or that you, like, just favorite garment cl- item of clothing? You know, I am a sucker for a cape shawl hybrid. I don't know why. I, it's like, I like superheroes. I like saints. It gives me all of that vibe. Like, I could just lift off into the air. That's cool. At any moment. You really are always, like, pinning something to your shoulders. It's I'm obsessed with it. I love to catch a breeze. I love... <laughs> you need the right weight in your fabric to really get the effect. Yes. Yes. She's ready. What kinds of extracurriculars were you involved in? None. But, like, in middle school, I did track and field. Oh. I would run... I wasn't good at it, but I did it. Uh-huh. Um, and I was also like an all-star academic decathlon person. Hmm. Our teacher recruited us. It was a Catholic school. He put this team together of like middle schoolers. We went to competition every year. And I was one of the only people to like have a high ranking in one of the exams. Oh. And so that was for science. Um, I had a rival from another school <laughs> who was a student at our school, ended up transferring to a school that my cousin went to. She was like, Jay, he talks so much shit about you. And like, he says he's going to, we were taking the same science quiz and he just was like, I'm going to win. And then he didn't place anything. I really want him to like have looked like you and be and have called like, we were Mason like best friends. Oh, his really? name was Juan. Turns out we were the only gay kids in our class, so we just had a natural connection. Wait, your rival? You and your rival ended up being friends? We were friends before that. Oh. It's just, like, he was really bitchy. Yeah. So, um, I got a really high-placing ribbon. Then, in eighth grade, that same competition, there's something called the logic quiz. And it's kind of like a series of, I don't know, academic puzzles. Mm-hmm. It's like a 60-question quiz that the whole team takes. Mm-hmm. So we didn't expect to win anything. We're just like eating Doritos, like getting our tests dirty and <laughs> just fucking around. We ended up getting like first place that year. <gasps> okay. And the, I remember how insulting the presentation was the announcer goes we're like the only brown school in like a sea of white schools he goes my heart really goes out to this inner city school and i was like that's us (laughs) and it was just so like condescending and like wow they did it like we double checked the test Mm -hmm. and like wow and then we won first place and it was so fun and they could just feel like this racial tension mm. I love that story I forget yeah. about that that's a great story it is last question yeah have you ever had a premonition that <gasps> came true I did I was falling asleep one day 
like for a nap. And all of a sudden I just see like a car hit my car, like a really, like about to fall asleep and then just this flash and I like jolted out of my bed because I felt so real. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I'm pulling off the curve at my house and someone like rips my bumper off. And I was like, I saw that literally happen 12 hours ago, 24 hours ago. What a bummer. Right. It's you like, didn't even do anything with your premonition. Helps no one. <laughs> didn't even know it was a premonition. Helps no one. But isn't that the thing about premonitions? You don't know until they happen. Yeah. That it's even a premonition. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. not like a, that's a raven. Yeah. World. That's funny. What a long rapid fire. It was. Okay. <laughs> so. Wait. What? Ask me my fave Gwen era. Oh. Um, we actually are out of time. No. <laughs> Jason, what is your favorite Gwen Stefani era? Great question. <laughs> I love her Love Angel Music Baby phase. <laughs> where she became the monster version of herself. Mm-hmm. Like. She displayed every interest she had mm-hmm. in that whole project. And mm-hmm. I was there for it. Yeah. I remember, like, I would listen while doing my homework with iTunes open. And you could see the play count. <laughs> of how many times you listened to it? It was, like, in the 500s. Wow. But what you waiting for? Wow. Just on repeat. But don't you think there's so much, like, beauty in her post Gavin Blake phase that she's in right now <laughs> era. <laughs> it's like she's still going. She is still going. And actually. she looks amazing and she She looks not that amazing. she looks amazing, but I mean she does, but like she feels like she looks happy. Yeah. And powerful. Yeah. I feel like some things that people really want to know about you are where did you grow up and what was it like? I grew up I'm from LA. I lived in South Central, that's where I grew up, and that's where my family has been living for a couple generations. So they're living there before it became the South Central that we think of now. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of them have this like tense relationship with the neighborhood because they just see it for what it used to be and mm-hmm. have a sense of loss. Um, and then some of them are like, this is me, this is where I come from. So it's this kind of rift between generations in lifestyles. Uh, my mom was cool with it, I guess. I don't know. So sometimes it's like a source of pride for them. For me it is. And then sometimes it's like a reminder that you live in poverty. Yeah. Um, it was very violent. It was very heartbreaking, like so many terrible things my family has gone through living there um and so but it's also like has fostered this like intense love between my family when i say my family i mean like my aunties my cousins Mm -hmm. and because it really is like you have all you really have is each other so like highlighted that part do you do you 
feel like when you say South Central to people that it's really a representation, like that people are understanding what you're talking about, unless if they're also there from there too. No, they, if you don't live in Southern California, I feel like you don't really have an awareness of what that means, but I feel like I insist on saying it because there's this project to like sanitize the image mm-hmm. with Solo or South LA. South LA, yeah. And then, like, there's so many people who talk negatively about Los Angeles. So I have to give the context of like what part of LA I'm from. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm from the part that you don't think of first. Yeah. So. Would you say that growing up there, or, like, where would you say that you really, like, developed your political consciousness? That's really interesting. So, I feel like my awareness of race, which is part of that political consciousness, came from, like, seeing my dad have a white wife and, like, Mm. white children and, like, live in Torrance or, like, Riverside, Mm. just in, like, peaceful, large, roomy homes. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, people in my family would be like, to constantly talk about this garbage white woman. So I always had the sense of that tension of Mm -hmm. they're white so they get more Mm -hmm. and I'm more brown than them so Mm -hmm. I get less. Mm -hmm. That's very, like, basic, but that's what I understood as a child very young child um and then i went to college in uc santa cruz i went there as a science major in marine biology and then i switched halfway through to feminist studies mostly because i was failing out of my major because of biology Mm. it was really hard for me um are you a chemistry person chemistry physics uh calculus i got really really far like vector calculus gross (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) calculation on your saltiness (laughs) and your (laughs) the velocity of that shade (laughs) um so biology was just i just could not get it um So I started feminist studies, feminism and science specifically. And there I started to realize like how not normal the things about my life were. Like, I remember the moment I'm in my friend's house and we're talking about prison. And I say something that makes it clear that I, I ask them like, well, who from your family is in jail? Mm. And they're like, no one. And I was like, that's impossible. Like, everyone, we all know someone. Like, right? Mm -hmm. Right, guys? And they're like, no. Like, that's not normal, Jason. Yeah. They had to, like, look at me and, like, they could see that they knew it was going to, like, shatter something about me. So moments like that, like, started getting me to, like, read the events and circumstances of my life and family as, like, politically charged Mm. and that there's something bigger responsible for 
even just the interpersonal family dramas. What, as a, I am assuming, male assigned person at birth. Excuse me? I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm like, (laughs) uh, what made you go into feminist studies, though? Like, that's a really interesting... It was. um, Especially from science, too. Yeah. I had a really close friend, and she was very, like, politicized and, like, on the path. Um, She was doing American studies and sociology. And we lived together for a summer, and we would just talk about everything. And she was like, just based on everything you talk about and, like, how I was relating to the world, she was like, you should try intro to feminism and like maybe that's your new major because i needed to do something yeah because i could not do the sciences anymore so um what was interesting is like i was there that summer doing summer school and because of that i flunked out of the major oh wow so it was kind of just happening like out of my control yeah you were meant to go into it Yeah. yeah so then turns out like there's a feminism and science concentration and like so much of my science is transferred, mm-hmm. like fulfilled requirements. That's incredible. It is. And then from there, like I just lost my mind and like unraveled and mm-hmm. just got consumed with feminism and feminism and science specifically. Do you feel like going into that very niche world? Mm-hmm isolated you or alienated you from your upbringing in South Central? (laughs) Honestly, it felt like alienating from the Department of Feminism and from my family. Because I'm I'm bringing in this experience that is that not every feminist studies major can talk about or like, Mm -hmm. and then to come home and like to speak of the world in a way that they don't have the context for like the two years of studying to understand so yeah definitely splitting yeah how how what was that like like was there repair was that did they come to accept it did like i think well it's not over so i think that in the case of my family people just kind of think this is how i imagine it that i'm just a little weird, a little eccentric, just different. Maybe they think because I'm queer or gay that that's why I'm different. Oh. Um, they can't truly name the extent of the <laughs> weirdness. Yes. It's your weird even for They don't the know. Weird. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They're like, uh, we don't know the, the Venn diagram of, yeah. of you. Of you, <laughs> sir. yeah. Sir. Ma'am? Mamex. Nix. Cirx. Sam. <laughs> Zorks. <laughs> That's such a beautiful story, though, too, because it sounds like science and feminism was seeking you as much as you were seeking it. Yeah, and so what I talked about from the decathlon rapid fire, like, I got kind of tracked into taking the science quiz because the teacher was like, you're the best at it on Mm -hmm. the team. So science has like, it's kind of the path to feminism for me. 
Which is so radical because I would never, I would never see an intuitive connection between the two things. No, it's not without obvious. Without digging in. But yeah. of course, like, science is connected to everything and so is feminism. Yeah. And, like, science is, we're like trying to understand, like, what is the happening in the material world. Yeah. And then feminism, like, challenges that on like the idea that there is like a natural order to matter to the material world and it's just such a cool intersection of like quantum physics and like politics and history and like imagination Mm. and like what is normal what is not normal and like how to observe the world it just really made me crazy i still have I'm constantly trying to understand that journey. What do you mean by crazy? (sighs) Crazy as in... I remember I was so deep in it that I could not function. Like, it made the world seem so scary and so uncontrollable and so wrong. Like, everything I believed was like... Feminism was like, nope, nope, that's a construct. Yeah that's a social construct like it's an illusion yeah and then feminism and science like takes that to the freaking atom sometimes yeah and so even those things that seemed like hardcore facts about your physical body are are not necessarily true yeah or don't have a stable core yeah um so that's really rattling for stupid 20 year old yeah so that's what i mean like it made it hard to like be in the world yeah. but also like give so much tools and space and resource and energy and imagination to to go from yeah but it's hard to wake up yeah that's yeah that is that does make me think so much of Gloria Ansambua and what it means to really straddle multiple worlds and be in Nepantla, mm-hmm. to be netted from here, from there, to be like awake to the to the constructs. Yeah. Yeah. It's jarring. Yeah. yeah. Terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. Um how did you arrive at decoloniality? Everything is consciousness Mm. or has con. I would say more is consciousness. Maybe not everything has consciousness, but everything is kind of like a form of intelligence. Mm -hmm. And something about that is so unsettling and like it just makes it hard to have concrete answers or understandings Mm. of the world. Yeah. So I feel like that's why decoloniality, because it's also, to me, decoloniality is restlessness mm. and, like, a constant, like, wiggling towards some other thing that we don't know about or mm-hmm. can't see, but you just have this sense of that it's there. Yeah. Very similar to, like, queerness. Yeah. Um, so that intersection. Yeah. Feminism, science, and queerness. That's very interesting. That's really cool. Which is like to 
open up a third space too yeah wow wow <laughs> how did how did spirituality become important in your life i grew up catholic i went to catechism didn't learn anything went to church hated it just i never was down for jesus never felt jesus in my life like never really prayed or talked to jesus i was more talking to angels and saints mm. and i remember specifically like as a probably from like 10 to high school every night i'd pray to the angels and saints but then say prayers for angels and saints specifically like mm. for them to be blessed and like forever happy or like taken care of mm. and then i would go through this laundry list of like pray for people who are cold or sick or sad or lonely or hungry or desperate or lost or confused just anything I could think of and just wow. go through that until I fell asleep wow and then after college I was living in Long Beach and I met my current um spiritual person spiritual teacher she's identifies as a peace shaman and she blends like her Mayan um, ancestry with like some Hindu stuff. It's more centered around like divine feminine um, and all of the ways that manifests across uh, cultures or practices or religions. Um, so there's like shamanic elements, feels very earthy. A lot of what you just said to me is reflective of like caretaking and like a lot of like the practices you mentioned to me re reflect yeah like care being mm -hmm. take taking care of others yeah would you say that that's like an inherent part of your spiritual spirituality is taking care of others yeah i definitely feel so much of my like whether doing limpias or readings it's a form of care mm -hmm. and a form of like visioning with that person like what yeah. they could be so you're just a care witch i'm a care witch <laughs> <laughs> from grief grief witch to care witch yeah um can you talk about like how you came to queer healing as the central part of your yeah, practice that's a great question um well i feel like part of why I kind of didn't really make a strong connection with the Catholic Church is because of that element. Mm. So I always knew, had some awareness that I'm not straight or was just different more vaguely. But always felt like I just know that it's dangerous for me to really be fully present in this church setting. Yeah. Or with certain family members. And, or in public spaces. It's like something about me, like, conjures danger and violence and verbal assault yeah. and harassment so i don't know what it is yet but i have to be very blank in public so now i'm like for me queerness is about imagination it's about potential mm. and embodies i feel like some of the essence of feminism in science like being willing to just witness the world as it wants mm. to be and trying to not be objective, but like 
how does the world want to invoke you or play with you yeah. or like what can you be together and more practically like there's very few spiritual or religious spaces that are safe for queer people to be in mm-hmm. and I feel kind of weird about like queer Christian spaces because I'm like you're not questioning the doctrine or dogma yeah. of this like yeah. you're being tolerated but that's not yeah in for me totally not an embrace i want yeah there's spikes on that coat so i want to create spaces where queer people can like live in their spiritual power and essence and like i don't know congregate but also like make room for new things to happen yeah and change the way that or create a, a way of being spiritual that is not church-based yeah that's really interesting because you're kind of starting your own church and i'm not saying that you are (laughs) because you're not telling people how to be but you're offering like an alternative yeah which is to kind of in a sense offer like a place like to offer an alternative is to offer an alternative it's like not not offering the alternative yeah i really think of sometimes try to think of it as like how do you help people create how do i have create home a sense of home for myself yeah and a sense of a place of belonging or a sense of belonging yeah so that's very much tied up into the core healing projects it's almost like the commons the commons (laughs) like a safe place that exists right here that no one has like named and put together and it's like not based around like a physical building or like a central figure or dogma or dogma just trying to make it something that is decentralized and that can happen wherever you are and to just again like cultivate that sense of like any moment is a ritual moment and there's no for queer people it's empowering for me at least to know that i'm never in a sinful way of being or uh like nasty state of being like there's nothing wrong with me just because i'm queer right yeah that's so beautiful so then it changes it to like well, wherever you are, that's always a beautiful moment. That's yeah. always a moment of embrace and relationship Perfection. and, yeah, bliss, ecstasy. Yeah. Normalcy. Normalcy. Yeah. But also, like, not normalcy. Well, <laughs> that normalcy isn't outside of you. That, like, you right. live and you're fine. You're, you're... I guess I'll borrow the phrase, like, you're always in a miraculous moment. Yeah. Like, you're always that holy that yeah. some angelic being can come down or yeah. some demon can come bless you. Yeah, some demon. <laughs> 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 That's really cool. Is there anything that we haven't talked about today that you want people to know about you? No, I feel complete in that overshare. <laughs> well thank you so much for letting me interview you yeah thank you that's fun